May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here on this uh, very special Mother's Day. Uh, people have been asking about the wing. I'm going to see our, the doctor, David McFadden's brother from another mother, James McFadden, on Wednesday, so we'll see where we go from there. So it's, but it's good. I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading. <clears throat> Big idea is Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and the savior of the world. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and the savior of the world. That should not come as a surprise to anyone who goes to church here. The setting is, uh, this is his last public discourse. Uh, after chapter 10, Jesus is really with his friends or his disciples. This is the last time he's having one of these back and forths with uh, with those uh, other people. And uh, this is this uh, picks up in chapter 10, verse 22. And chapter 21 ends about three months earlier. And Jesus is up in Galilee ministering, and now he's back in Jerusalem. And um, he's there for the Feast of the Dedication, uh, otherwise known as the Feast of Lights or, or modern-day Hanukkah. Okay, So this is called the Feast of the Dedication. It's not an Old Testament feast. It's a historical feast. Uh, in commemoration of something that happened. And that something was um, back in the second century BC, Alexander the Great dies and, and the, the Greek empire is divided up into four sections. And uh, one of them is Syria and that is ruled by Antiochus uh, Epiphanius. His name is Antiochus. He added Epiphanius to his name, which means the great one. So it's like me, the great one. Um, and his idea was he wanted to get rid of Judaism, completely erase it from the face of the earth. And he tried to do that sort of philosophically and talking people out of it. It didn't go well. So he said, fine, I'll, I'll choose another path. I'll just destroy it. And so in 174 BC, 175 BC, he conquers Jerusalem. And in the process, 80,000 people are killed. 80,000 more people are sent into slavery. And if you have anything to do with Judaism, it's a capital offense. If you have any part of the law of God, a scroll or anything like that, you're dead. Circumcision was a capital offense. If a mother had a child circumcised, the mother was crucified with the baby hung around her neck. Eliminate Judaism completely. And rising up is Judas Maccabeus a few years later, and he defeats Antiochus Epiphanius. One of the things that he did he went into the temple, and if you remember, you know, the Holy of Holies, the only one in there is the high priest on, on Yom Kippur, um, offering up sacrifice for the sins of the people. He's the one with the bells on the robe and the, the rope around his ankle. So if the bells stop, they know he's dead, they'll drag him out, because nobody can go in there except him. And when we were in Israel, I told you that we were going to get ready to go to the Temple Mount. There was a sign that said, if you're Jewish, please don't come up here because we don't know where the Holy of Holies was and you might step on it inadvertently and that would be really bad. Antiochus Epiphanius goes into the Holy of Holies and sacrifices a pig on the high altar. This is how bad it got. So when Judas Maccabeus comes and throws him out, defeats him, <clears throat> he rededicates the temple and the Feast of the Dedication or Hanukkah is the remembrance of that. So this is what they're thinking about as they're questioning Jesus. So people have a question for Jesus. Who are you? A couple of groups here. 
One wants a redeemer to overthrow the Romans, to come in and overthrow the Romans. This is not an Old Testament understanding of the Messiah. This is a historical understanding of Messiah. And the other group <clears throat> just simply wants to have him say something wrong so they can have him arrested by the Romans and get rid of this guy. It says that they gathered around him. That word means circled around him like sharks. Yeah, very ominous. And then he says, how long will you keep us in suspense? Well, it means how long will you keep on annoying us? They hate it. He answers his question. He, he gave it to the Samaritan woman. And he says, uh, the woman says, said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will show us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And the man born blind says, do you believe in the son of man? She answered, and, he, and who is he, sir, that I may believe him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who speaks to you. He said, Lord, I believe. Jesus said they should know, but their problem was unbelief. Their problem was unbelief. We have the same problem today. Unbelief is the mother of ignorance. Think about that. Unbelief is the mother of ignorance. I choose not to believe. They're choosing not to believe because in a minute we're going to look at a little bit of evidence. And therefore I'm ignorant of what I should know or facts, things like that. We see it in our own day and it's really sad. Do you have an open mind about certain issues? Try talking to someone about climate change, for example, who has the idea that if we don't change the way we do things in pretty much every aspect of our lives, the earth will cease to exist in eight years. Try to have a conversation with that person. They won't have that conversation with you. Unbelief, I don't believe anything you're telling me, is the mother of ignorance. Talk to a young person today whether the United States is systemically racist, whether all white people are racist. This is what they're being taught to believe. You try to have that conversation and they reject it. I don't believe anything you're saying to me. If you say that, that means you're denying that you're a racist. Unbelief is the mother of ignorance. There is no back and forth. There's no conversation. You can have that conversation about energy, about the economy. You could have that conversation about China, about COVID, about any number of topics. People get this thing in their head and their idea. Today, around the United States of America, there is a group called Ruth Sent Us. Ruth Sent Us. And the Ruth is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. These are people who are going to Roman Catholic churches today to interfere with the mass because of the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. Their fear is, and what they believe is that means the end of abortion in the United States. That's not true. What it means is, if it is overturned, it will go back to the states and the states will decide. They don't believe that. They're ignorant of that fact. And now they're going to go invade Roman Catholic churches this morning on Mother's Day. 
I saw one clip that said, we will come and burn your Eucharist. Yeah, try to have a conversation with that person. But see, this was the situation, and that what I'm saying is, so often as you read scripture, you see conditions, policies, principles, behavior that is current today because it's just human nature. The people that Jesus is interacting with did not want to believe, and therefore they remained ignorant. His life should have, um, his identity should have been clear. For example, Isaiah says, when you see the Messiah, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and then shall the lame man leap like a hart and the tongue of the dumb uh, sing for joy. Gee, all that happened with Jesus. What else does he say? It says, he spoke as one having authority. When every rabbi would speak, he would always quote a former authority. Well, as the rabbi Shammai said, as Gamaliel would say, as so-and-so would say, I also say. He never said that. He never quoted another authority because he was the ultimate authority. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said this, but I'm telling you it's not like that. It's like this, and I am the ultimate authority. How about this? Before Abraham was, I am. Whew, where have you heard I am before? If you have seen us, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. These are statements. And I, I remember sitting in a, in a meeting at All Saints many, many years ago and talking about these things. And a woman said, Jesus never said he was God. Jesus never said he was divine. And I'm thinking, what Bible were you reading? The question is for us today, it's the same as for us today, who is Jesus? Who do you say that I am? I've told you before about being on the standing committee of the Diocese of Central Florida. You go to seminary for two years as a postulant, you come back to the diocese and you have a meeting with the standing committee in order to become a candidate for your third year. And you meet with the standing committee and the standing committee makes a recommendation to the bishop. And everybody on that group had one question. Mine always was, who is Jesus? That was all I ever asked anybody. Who is Jesus? You've had two years of seminary. What do you think? And the looks on their faces were always amazing to me. They never very, well, I, I can't say they never did, but they, they give you an answer sometimes. But a lot of the times it was the look on their face said, what does he want to hear? Are you a progressive? What do you think? Who do you think Jesus is? I just want to make you happy, sir. And it, it led to some very interesting conversations. People who say, I'm okay with God, but not Jesus. It's like saying, I'm okay with air, but I'm not so sure about this oxygen thing. That, that doesn't go so well. You could say Jesus was a first century Palestinian in the reign of Tiberius Caesar, who was executed by Pontius Pilate by crucifixion. So far, so good. But there's a whole lot more than that. But Jesus says, if you don't see it through my eyes, you're going to miss it. If you don't see it the way I see it, you're going to miss it. You're going to look at something and just, for example, if you're on the if you're on the cliffs of Dover, and you're at Dunkirk, and you see all these boats out there, you can either say, "Oh, what a, look at that! All these people having a nice outing on the water, yay!" Or it's an evacuation of British troops back to Britain. You know, 
you're looking at the same thing, but you're seeing it in a very different way. <clears throat> you could look at the uh, story of the prodigal son, and you can simply see it as a story of a runaway boy, or you can see it as the overwhelming love of God for sinful man. Same story, two very different occurrences. It's like they can't understand. Does anybody here speak a foreign language? Bernardo, come on up. <clears throat> it's like they're talking, but you just don't understand, okay? Just tell them a little bit about going to Honduras sometime, okay? Yeah, in Spanish. Viajamos varios, conocimos muchas cosas, muchas personas, y tuvimos experiencias extraordinarias. Fuimos con el Padre Don muchas veces, fuimos con muchos niños y disfrutábamos, trabajamos con ellos. Hicimos I never said cosas. that. No. No, 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 no. Yes, you did. <laughs> Thank you. So, when we first went down to the, to the farm in Tolanga, years ago, Bernardo was there, and the, the guy said, oh, we've, got, we've got this water problem. There's a, there's a sugar cane company on the other side of the river, and you use up all the water on what we're going to do. And I said, do you have a plan? And he goes, yeah, but it's really expensive. It's like $11,000. And I said to Bernardo, tell him I'm going to send him the money. Just tell him I'm going to send him the money. And Bernardo said, huh? Next week. I said, I'm going to send him the money next week. And Bernardo says, Father Don, in Spanish, he says, Father Don says he, he's going to do everything he can to help you, but he can't make any promises. <laughs> and, I'm just, and I'm just going, yeah, okay, good, yay. What do I know? You know. Well, I went back to church on, at Grace. I said, here's the deal. I'm in for 1000 That morning we raised $18,000. Anybody there that day? Yeah, a few of you. And two years later, we went back, and they brought us around this mountain of dirt, and we looked, and there was a lake. And they had dug it out, and there was a natural spring, and they put in pumps and irrigation equipment, and they called it Lake Ocala. <laughs> Despite what Bernardo had said. <laughs> you know. Huh? Yeah, that's... <laughs> okay. Anyway... See, he was speaking in a language that's a real language, but we just don't understand it. And sometimes, you know, God's trying to get our attention and speak to us. We just, we don't, we don't get it. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. Through him, all things were made. He is the incarnation of God, incarnatus, the taking on of flesh. We call that Christmas. He lived, he died, he rose again. That's Easter. I saw a man in the street interview process, the uh, episode just before Easter, and they were asking about a holiday coming up, and a lot of them didn't know what it was, and then they said, Easter, what does that mean to you? Peeps, chocolate eggs, and bunnies. A few people said the resurrection of Jesus, but not many, and it's something that's sort of fading from the, from the general understanding of the populace, it's sad. <clears throat> Jesus is my shepherd. Today, by the way, is Good Shepherd Sunday. Mm -hmm. He provides for my needs as he leads me beside still waters, and he makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He restores my soul. He protects me from the enemy with his rod and his staff. He walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death so that I will fear no evil. He prepares a place for me in eternity, and there I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world that shines, the light of truth and hope in a fallen and confused world. Um, once a month on Monday, we have a group called Faith and Freedom Commission. We meet, and after that, people come up and circle around, and we pray. And last month, I came up and was part of that. And a man who is a powerful man of God and has a wonderful ministry brought me over here after it was over, and he said, Father Don, I've got to tell you. I said, what? He said, I had a dream. And uh, he said, I was driving, and it was daytime, and I'm driving, and I look in my rearview mirror, and it's dark. It's the dead of night. Behind me, I sped up, and God said, Stephen, where are you going? Turn around. You're the light. And I turned around, and I drove into the darkness. Because when the darkness gets darker, the light's got to get brighter. And by the way, folks, we are the light. Jesus shines through us. And we've got to know that, we've got to live it out, and we've got to not be afraid to say it and do it, right? I just love the way that, uh, you know, lefty Marxists, don't they always show up in a time of crisis to help people? Oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. That would be Samaritan's Purse or, or the Baptist or, the, or the whoever it is, you know, that is making life better for people having a difficult time, the light. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the method, the message, and the meaning for all people. He's my friend who's always with me. He loves me even when I'm the prodigal son who leaves home in a land that is waste and I squander my inheritance. I have given my life to Jesus Christ in a profound way. It's not that I went to a meeting one time and said a sinner's prayer. I've had an encounter with the living God. And I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm not perfect. You can ask the one sitting in the front row. But I have exchanged that sinful nature I was born with, with the God nature. I don't always get it right but I'm his, and I'm in the palm of his hand, and he's never going to let me go, ever. There's no way. And I rest in that, and I cling to that, and I find great peace and calm and comfort in that, knowing that it's not going to change. Jesus is Savior. More specifically, he's my Savior, he did for me what I could not do for myself. He took my punishment on himself that he might have eternal life. John 3, 16, you might know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Um, a friend of mine sent me this video clip, and I wanted to play part of it for you today. This is uh, Alistair Begg from uh, Scotland. Fiona, you know him? Alistair Begg? <clears throat>
Amen, brother. <clears throat> Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That implies faith, as though all three of them are dying on crosses. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, because this is not the end. You are going to go on. I tell you the truth, this day you will be with me in paradise. Amen. <clears throat> I don't know if you get tired of hearing that. What if I said, listen, to, listen up, because what I'm going to tell you will save your failing marriage. It'll save your failing business. It will save your failing health. It will save the life of the one you love the most in the world and would glad, gladly give your own life for it. You'd be all ears. All those things are important, but all those things will pass away. But the truth of the gospel and the truth of Jesus will never pass away. It is more important and vital than your health, your family, your money, your business, and even your own life or the lives of those you love. And yet so many people, even in the church, yawn at the truth of Jesus. It breaks my heart. Jesus is all things, is all the things he said and he's more. Is, not was. So do not be nonchalant about Jesus. Do not take him for granted. Do not fail to tell your friends about him every chance you get. Where I went to seminary in Trinity, the, the motto was to equip the saints for ministry. Be Christ in your world. Our lives depend on our trust in Jesus. Now, on this Good Shepherd Sunday, please stand as we say together.